to the 85th division of Psalms, verse 6. Amen. How many of you are enjoying this weather? Amen. I need some warm weather folk in the house. Come on. Amen. How many don't like it? Go ahead, clap your hands. I need to see your hands. Let me hear them. Amen. Well, you sure don't want to go to hell, right? If this little bit of heat bothers you, you sure don't want to go to the bad place. Psalms 85 and 6 says, Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? The writer here is posing a question to God. Will thou not revive us? so that we can rejoice in thee. It is a sad occasion when the people of God have to question whether or not God is there. Have to go to God and say, God, revive us again because unless you revive us, we can't rejoice. But I kind of beg to differ in the house right now. I, I'm a person that says that we should be able to rejoice because he's already given us life and that more abundantly. And that which is down on the inside of us, if we would just turn it up and just stir it up a little bit and get the well flowing, I believe, amen, that rejoicing happens instantaneously. It is... <laughs> It is just like mixing fire with gasoline. I believe that it will just begin to take off. Amen. And we're going to pray in just a second before we do. Would anybody be willing to try that right now? Would anybody be willing to stir up something on the inside? If I was uber religious, I would say something like, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. When I let my mind travel back on where I should be and what I should be doing and if I begin to think about how I almost died, but I'm still alive, I begin to think, come on. That I should have numbers across my chest or a tag on my toe, but God said not so. I don't know about anybody else, but when I think, oh. Has anybody danced lately when no music was playing? When no song, no, no organ, no keyboard? When nobody was watching? But there was just a praise that hit you from out of nowhere. Anybody been like that just out of nowhere? You just, this joy that I have, something just begins to pound at you and you can't seem to let it go. Oh, I just got to, I, I know I look strange, and I, but I've got to let it out. That's that whale bubbling up. That's that whale trying its best to come to the surface. Amen. Make contact with someone. Father, in the name of Jesus. It is you and you alone that made this time, this space, and this place possible. It is you and you alone that will work in this house today. It is you and you alone who we come to worship, to magnify, 
and to glorify. It is you, God, and you alone that will heal somebody tonight, that will deliver somebody tonight. Yea, even save somebody tonight. It is you and you alone, God. So I pray, God, trusting and believing that it's already done. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and take your seat in the house of the Lord. In the psalm, the 85th psalm, the first three verses, per se, began to talk about God's forgiveness of sin. The first three are his forgiveness. They receive forgiveness. Verses 4 through 7 begin to plead with God not only for the forgiveness of sin, but now for the restoration and their deliverance. Not really understanding this myself because I believe everything happened at the same time. I believe when you were made whole, you were born again. I don't believe that you needed to be restored. I believe the restoration took place at that moment. But here the psalmist had a different mindset the reality of it is, is that they had been away from God for so long, and now God has allowed them back in. So they were taking nothing for granted. Amen. Does anybody understand taking things for granted? Sometimes, amen, we just say, thank you, God, and we move on. But God is saying, please, can I just spend a little time with you? I just blessed you with that, and I, I want to now take a little time with you to get to know you a little better and let you get to know me a little better. And so that's where we pick up on verse 6. And they are in a position right now where their sins have been forgiven. God's talking to them again. And now they're saying, wilt thou not revive us again? God, you've done your job, but there's still something wrong with me. I want to still feel that joy that I once felt a long time ago. I want to be able to praise you like I used to praise you. Now, let me just digress for a moment and ask you, do you remember when you were first born again? Do you remember how you felt? Do you remember how excited you were? Do you remember how fired up you were and how you really didn't care what anybody else thought at that moment? You didn't care what you sounded like when you were speaking in tongues. You didn't care what you looked like when you were jumping and shouting. You didn't care about any other thing because you were brand new. And so that joy was in you because you realized for the first time in your natural life, amen, that you had something that you didn't qualify for. You received something, amen, that you weren't worthy of receiving. And so all of a sudden now you have a brand new you and you're excited about it. But something happens with time begins to pull the joy away because after the shout we still have to live and so life gets in the way life begins to try to overwhelm us begins to try to control us and and bad news comes yes save folk get bad news and and hard times come yes hard times come to save folk and Losses come to save folk, and those things happen. And so sometimes when it's an opportunity for us to praise him, we can't think ourselves happy because we're too busy thinking about what we're going through. 
I, I tell people that we are in a season now of paying the COVID tax. And I'm not going to stay on that very long at all. But the reality of it is it did something to the psyche of man. It changed the entire flow of mankind. Even the church has changed how it thinks and operates. Now, please understand, I don't see that a lot here. But I do understand that we also struggle at times. Because any time bad news comes now, we want to run to it and believe it and grab hold to it. And so here they're saying, God, you've forgiven us. You've, you've done that for us. Thank you for that. But now I need you to stir up something in me again. Because I don't want to just, amen, know that I'm forgiven. I want to have my praise back again. I want to have my dance back again. I want to have my shout. I don't want the religious shout, but I want that shout because I really mean it back again. I want to be fired up again. I want to be excited about God again. I want to know God in the name of Jesus that whenever I'm around you, it's not just you doing for me, but it's me doing for you. It's not just you blessing me, but me trying to bless you back. When is the last time that you put yourself in a place where you say, I'm tired? Of just doing church. I'm tired of just coming in church and coming up to an altar and just I'm tired of just coming up that way and nothing happening and leaving out the same disappointed self. And so that's their dilemma. God forgave them, yes. But they needed the joy back. They needed the happiness back. And so they began to plead for the restoration and the deliverance. In verses 8 through 9, I'm going to let you read this on your own. Verses 8 through 9, he begins to listen intensely and receives a promise from the Lord. There is something about when we ask God for things that are in agreement with what he wants for us. He will talk back. He will speak back. He will begin to grant those things. I don't know, but right here I, in verses 8 through 9, I, it doesn't say that, and I don't want to read or speculate, but I believe at that moment after they prayed that prayer or said that part in that, that psalm, that all of a sudden something changed in the atmosphere. I believe that they began to shout right then because it lets me know that they began to receive the promise. And so the promise that they were being seeking for at this moment was to be able to be restored back to the place where they had that joy. Come on, somebody, that unspeakable joy that place and now all of a sudden God began to pour the promises back into them and so I don't know about nobody else but you don't want to wait till after the promise to get your shout on you got to learn to praise him amen before the shout uh -huh. you got to be able to glorify him amen in the midst of it uh, before during and after you got to learn to glorify him and so right here now all of a sudden they were in the place of just coming out of punishment and asked would you do it for me and then God said watch me do it does anybody have that moment right now that mindset uh, waiting on God huh are you ready to tell him uh, God do it and he's ready to tell you watch me do it Huh? The last time, amen, you prayed that prayer, believing God, and it seemed like it hasn't come yet. I'm here to serve notice to you today. God is saying, watch me do it. 
He's got an answer for your prayer today. He's got, he's got some joy stored up for you today. He's got some restoration stored up for you today. Come on, there's some peace that he's been holding. It's for you today. But you just can't just let it just flow. Amen. Just because he said he's going to do it. Somebody got to realize that every now and then you got to reach up and grab what he's trying to give you. You got to make your mind up. Amen. God, you say, give me my dance back. But you stand there. No, don't stand there. Just begin to move your feet and let him do the dancing through you we have to understand that there is a price for our promise we we can't do this we can't expect God to do all the work while we do nothing in so 89 they began to receive the latter portion of the text verse 10 through 13 they become confident that the Lord will soon give them everything that is good Touch your neighbor and say everything that is good. In the text, and they don't have everything back there, but in the text, there was a particular verse that caught my eye beyond verse 6, and it was verse 10. Same chapter, same book, verse 10. It says, mercy and truth are met together. Catch it, catch it. His mercy and his truth are on a collision course. Now all of a sudden, that mercy that forgave you of your sins is now to run smack dab into his truth. And when that happens, the Bible says that righteousness, watch out now, and peace, touch your neighbor and say, righteousness and peace began to kiss one another. Why? Because God is trying to tell you is that when the pew meets the pulpit, when we begin to praise God, amen, in advance, when we begin to glorify him, something happens. It comes together. It begins to jail and things begin to break off of you and joy begins to come out and come on somebody and the truth that you're not lost begins to be relevant and the truth that you're not bound begins to be available the truth begins to meet mercy for God said I saved you and you're saying the truth is I'm no longer bound and so truth and mercy collide righteousness and peace have kissed each other and because of that truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven, yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Watch this. When we understand the cost of the promises that God has given us, when we begin to understand beyond the payment, I know that Jesus hung on the cross. I know that the blood was shed. I know that by his stripes I'm healed. Those are the mercies because we've read it. You say, do I have any people that, that are old as me? They used to say, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Do I have any witnesses? Don't make me stand up here by myself being old, all right? Jesus let me right. But there's something beyond the Bible telling me. 
There's something beyond me just saying it's in a book. It's when I have revelation, when that mercy begins to collide in truth in my heart. It's that moment that things begin to change, where it's not just a written word. Oh, and I thank God for the written word. But now it becomes a living word in me. Now I'm an example because I can tell you that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't be here right now. It's not just a saying for me. Come on, it's not just a saying for you. If it had not been for God uh, delivering some of your parents, uh, you wouldn't be here right now. If Come on, uh, y'all understand me in this place. Some of y'all uh, were 10 seconds away from an abortion, uh, but God stepped in right on time. Uh, y'all not understanding what I'm trying to tell you, but mercy hit truth. And so now uh, you can stand in the house of God and, and glorify him and saying, uh, God, I bring you the praise. Come on, you want to wreck the house? You want to wreck the house? You want to give the devil a bad day? Hey, man, you let that, that, that mercy run into truth. You let the devil say it's, see that it's more than just a word. Hey, man, but it's an action in you. You let the devil realize, hey, man, that everything that you've been praying about, talking about, is not fictitious. It's, it's not a fallacy, but it's a fact. You start letting the devil know. It may take a little while for it to happen, but I know it's going to happen. You start shouting in advance. You start meeting God right where he's at. You start glorifying him. I'm trying to tell you, in the time of revival, this is how it happens. We don't wait for him to show up. We praise him in advance. We don't wait for the seats to be filled. We go out and get him. Why? Because we have to have mercy colliding with some truth. That that you're doing right now, please don't do it religiously, but do it because you mean it. Do it because you know that the experience that God has brought you through, hey man, have been miraculous. Somebody ought to be honest right now. It wasn't a, a program that took the drugs out of you. It wasn't a program that took the alcohol bottle out of your hand. It wasn't a program that got you out of jail. It was the Lord. It was God doing what he's doing right on to Somebody ought to be honest in this place uh, and let the truth collide uh, with the mercy. Uh, let the, your truth, uh, amen, no, 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 I don't deserve it, uh, but mercy met me. Somebody's really getting it. Somebody's understanding. Somebody's understanding in the house right now that the price, the price of our salvation was paid, but the price of our promise is still in waiting. The psalmist understood that, and so they said, you've forgiven us, but we're just waiting on the rest. Would you give me the rest? I'm waiting on the rest. I, I need the rest, and, uh, and that's Old Testament, because somebody in the house also understands that you went to a meeting one night. Might have been daytime. And your heart wasn't right. But somewhere in the midst of the service, 
something got to pulling on your heartstrings. Something began to say, move. And you're like, it doesn't feel good to move. I haven't moved in a long time. I, I, that's odd for me. But something said, keep on moving anyway. And somehow or another, you made your way to an altar. And when you got to the altar, something happened. You threw your, maybe you stayed in your pew. And your hands just automatically went up. You don't know why. But something began to, to overcome you. And that was mercy being poured out on you and then you began to tell God God forgive me hey God forgave you and truth began to be amen exemplified in you and things began to change that's the true nature of what God wants to do not just for us but for everyone in our region everyone in our city everyone in your house everyone amen that you're related to friends with and even foes with God wants to do that for them but they're not going to know about it unless we share it with them they're not going to get an understanding about the truth of God because we just say it we got to live it we got to be able to shout in our dark times we got to be able to let them know hey I might be going through a little something right now but my God is still good and when we're on the mountaintop we can't shout because we're on the mountaintop we ought to be shouting because our name is written in the Lamb's book of life it's not about the mountain or the valley it's about my destiny it's never about that. When truth gets there, it doesn't matter what you're going through because I'm shouting about my destiny, not about my demise, not about where I am, not about my have or have not. And so I was reading just earlier today I was reading and I, I ran into this quote. It was actually a lyric from an old hymn. And it says, the favor of God is the fountain of happiness. Peace and joy to the nations as well as to the individuals. When God forgives our sin, he covers us. And when he covers us, he covers it all. There's not one thing left. Amen. For the enemy to pick it. There's not one bad decision that you have made in your past that's left there for the devil to pick it. He can try to dig it up all he wants. But when he brings it before God, all he says is, all I see is the blood. You can't bring that mess up on me. Why? Because all I see is the blood. But now you're asking, how in the world is that going to apply to my life? How is that going to happen? Yes, I am forgiven. But God is telling you the being forgiven is the first part. It is not the ending. It is the beginning. For his promises are still yay and what? Amen. And so now he's saying, if you just want to accept the forgiveness, that's good. But I have more for you because I promised you life, but not regular life. I promised you life, but not ordinary life. I promised you life, but not life like the world wants life. I promised you life and that more, not just abundantly, but more abundantly. In other words, I've got promises for you. Amen. But all you've got to understand is even though you haven't received them yet, you need to learn to rejoice in at advance. You need to learn how to cry out to God and let him know that regardless amen on whether I see my family sitting next to me right now I'm going to shout as if they just walked in the door. 
You need to let the devil know, devil, you're not going to depress me because they haven't come yet. You're not going to depress me because I keep inviting folk and they don't show up. You're not going to depress me. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And every time you try your best to tear me down, I'm going to lift my hands and glorify God the more. Why? Because I understand the price of my promise. The promise was already made, but it's not waiting. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us to stir it up. He's waiting on us. We pray for revival and God said it's already here. You need to make your mind up that I got to make sure that I do what I need to do to make it happen. Now I'm watching the time. I, I try not to belabor. Leviticus 26 and 1. Now I can get into the lesson. The Bible says, ye shall make no idols or graven images, neither rear up you up a standing image. Neither shall ye set upon any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Verse 3, though. If, say if. Ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. So here is where God is drawing the line. I want to bless you. I want to give you everything that I said that I would give you. But now it's time for you to understand that everything is conditional Amen. Not by the devil's demise, but by your choice and what you're willing to do. And he says, if ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then, say then, if then, then I will give you rain in due season. And so he's saying, guess what? If you do it, then I will. I will bless you. I will pour out rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase. In other words, no matter what it looked like before, it might have been dry, barren land. But if you do what I said do, I will take your barrenness. And I will begin to rain on it. And I will begin to water it. And I will begin to call increase in your land. You may be broke right now, but I'm here to tell you that God's got more for you than broke. Come on, you may be broken, but God has more for you than being broken. He will take your shipwreck, amen, and turn it into a fleet of battleships. He will take your tore up, broke down, run over shoes, and create feet that are beautiful. For how beautiful are the feet of those that carry the gospel. He will change your crooked ways and turn you into a mighty prophet of God. Why? Because he says, if. You walk in my statutes and keep my commandments. I, I will begin to reign where it hasn't rained in a long time. I will begin to do things in you that you really don't, uh, amen, uh, uh, deserve. The Bible says, and the trees of the field shall begin to yield their fruit. In other words, if you didn't do these things, these things weren't going to happen. Even though it was already promised that you were going to have the land of milk and honey. Even though it was already promised to you that this was going to happen and that was going to happen. He's saying, now I need to qualify some things here. 
Amen. I need to get you back in the game. I need you to get you off the bench. I need to get you running again. I need to get you shouting again. Not because the preacher says shout. Not because the the singers sing you happy. Not because the bishop says stand up and and lift your hands. But because, uh, amen, that you have made your mind up. That right here where I am right now, if nobody else in the room wants what I've got. If nobody else in the room, amen, is depending on you, God, like I'm depending on you. Amen. It doesn't matter to me how I look. I can be out of place. Somebody missed that right now. Because if I look around the room, everybody is in the same position. But there may be somebody in the house that's desperate right now. I've got a promise, and I'm waiting on my promise. I'm believing my promise. Nobody else is believing it for me, but I'm believing it. Family turned their back on me. They're not believing it. People are mocking me. They're not believing it. But somebody, amen, is like a fly in the ointment in this room. Somebody is so desperate that I'm not going to, amen, you made up your mind. You're not going to wait on anybody else, but you're just going to lift your hands to heaven. No, don't, don't do it because I said it. Do it because you believe it. You're just going to lift. I don't care. Y'all sit down. Y'all do what you want to do. Why? Because I understand, amen, the price of my promise. I understand what it's going to. I understand you already gave it. I understand the price you paid God. And I'm willing to give it back. I'm willing to praise you. Hallelujah. I'm willing to glorify you no matter what nobody else. I'm willing, amen, to be that loud mouth in the house different than everybody else. I'm willing to be that one that sticks out. I'm not trying to get you to see me. I'm not trying to get you to visualize me. It ain't about me. I need you to understand that I'm not doing nothing because of me. I'm doing it because God prayed a promise to me. And I'm about, I'm on a collision course right now with mercy. I'm on a collision course. And then he says, then your threshing shall reach unto the vineyards and your vintage, unto your vintage, I'm sorry, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. In other words, you have at the same time, watch this, sowing, running into reaping, reaping, running into sowing. You're missing this. There's no season now. It's just constant overflow. He's saying, I want to do something for you that will blow your mind. You think your $10 an hour raise was super to God. It wasn't nothing to him. He's saying, I can take and move that thing right there and put some digits on the back of it so that every time you turn around, God keeps on blessing you. God's saying, I want to put you in a place that you trip over your blessings. You just begin to bump into them. You're stumbling over them. Why? Because you made your mind up. Here I am, God. I'm not waiting on nobody else. They don't want it, but I want it. I want some. I, I want it all. I'm going to praise you. I, I, come on. I, you're just falling. That's the kind of blessing he wants to put on you. You're praying for a couple of your family members, but God don't want a couple of them. He wants them all saved. You're praying for something, but God's saying, I promise you all things. I, come on in the name of Jesus. You're praying for a raise, and God is saying, I'm trying to give you the company. Come on in the name of Jesus. God gets in. You're praying for your, for your arthritis, and God 
God saying, I want to make your whole body whole. I'll move the arthritis, but while I'm doing that, I'll deal with your heart condition. I'll, I'll deal with your diabetes. You're praying for what seems important to you, but God is trying to tell you, that's not how I want to bless you. But if you just want to praise him a little bit and accept a little bit, that's up to you. But somebody is hungry in here. Some people are thirsty and hungry after the things of God. And you're saying, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. Now, here is the caveat. As God begins to talk to you and he tells you what he requires, amen, your voice begins to say what you require. And not only that, the enemy begins to pipe into you what he requires. The problem is, is that when we allow the voice of the outside to interfere with the voice of God that should be on the inside, then we miss out on what we should do. That's why we can sit down so fast in our praise. That's why we can cut our prayer off so quick. That's why we can lock ourselves into a state where we're just doing the motions, going through the motions, and miss what God is trying to get out of us. Because the enemy is still telling you, you, you went up for prayer and it didn't work. No, 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 no. You've got to remind the devil. Amen. Hey, uh, the mercy already happened. By his stripes, I'm already healed. And so now I've got to allow the truth, amen, to run into that. Because the enemy is telling you the truth is you're still hurting. The truth is they're still not here. The truth is you're still broke. The truth is, no, that's what the enemy's telling you. But you've got to take that truth and throw it away and grab hold to the truth of God. And he says, if you, uh, amen, do these things, guess what? I'm going to pour out on you. I'm about to bless you. I'm about to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you don't even have room enough to receive if you can do these things. Now here, let me take this to another place real quick. And if we start thinking about what God really wants in this season... We've been hollering revival. We've been yelling revival. We've been screaming revival. But God is trying to tell you screaming it is good. Hollering it is good. But it takes some action. There's a price that we have to pay for this thing. There's something that we're going to have to go through. We just can't expect it to fall into our laps. Even though it is a promise. But I do tell you this. Once we get this in line. Hey Amen. That's when you'll be tripping over people. Coming in here mad because somebody took your seat. That's when you'll be having problems. Amen. Trying to find a parking spot in the, in the parking lot because now all of a sudden you made your mind up that you're going to praise him. You're going to glorify him. You're going to call people. You're going to reach out to people. You're going to invite people. You're going to talk to people you never would talk to before. You're going to knock on doors you never knocked on before. You're going to give seed cards to people, amen, that are going to throw them on the ground. Amen. You, you're you're going to be tempted to pick them up, but no, I'm telling you to leave them down there because somebody's going to stumble on it looking and pick it up and find a need. You don't understand how planting goes, how sowing seed happens. You think it's lost, but I promise you God can do a miracle. We had a sister years ago came to Hope, and I said, how did you find out about us? She says, there was a, a, a door hanger that had, was in my bushes, a door hanger from a year or so ago that she found tucked back when she was cleaning out her bushes. She had no intention on coming to our church when we hung it on her door. I don't know if it blew off right then or when, but the bottom line is because we sold it then, amen, we didn't go back to see if it was still there. We didn't go back, amen, to find out what was going on. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes a sister, and she became, she got baptized in the name of Jesus, and yes, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to tell you God can do some things. You're believing that it's not going to happen because the devil said it's not. The devil is a liar. God wants to do a miracle, amen. Amen, and watch out now. When you're going out on Saturday and you're, you're knocking on those doors, you're not just knocking on a door. You're coming with love and passion. You're coming with a truth. 
growth that they need. Amen. And you're going to show them the mercies of God. But while the mercies are happening, truth is going to find its mark. And when it finds its mark, you're going to find them in the baptism pool. You're going to find them praying. You're going to find them saying, I was waiting for somebody. I was just in the room praying. God, if you're real, please stop by and let me know. You just don't know what's going to happen. Stop allowing the devil to tell you it's a waste of your time. It's never a waste of your time. Well, they don't want it. Neither did you. But now all of a sudden here we are in a place, amen, where we have to push ourselves. And we have to drive ourselves through this thing. Because the enemy has wooed us to sleep and made us feel like we're having great church. And we have growth. And we are baptizing. And people are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we compare ourselves to other people and we say, well, they're not having it like that. So we must be doing okay. The problem with that is, is that we have to get to the place like they were desperate enough to say, God, I, I thank you for what you've done. But that's not all. I know there's more. There's something in me that's still not quite there. There's some things in me that I still haven't accomplished in you. There's some promises that you made that still haven't happened. So, God, will you take the time out right now to restore me? Will you get me back to the place where the joy is in me that when I'm talking to people, they don't see it like I'm pressure selling them, but they see the joy in my eyes. They see that, you, that I'm not just coming to them because I'm just wanting them to join my church, but because I want them to have room in heaven, a reservation in glory. I'm not coming to them because I'm just trying to run up numbers. We don't play the number game. It's never about the numbers, but it is about the souls. And when we understand that, then our whole mentality, our whole mentality begins to change. And I'm here to tell you right now while you're praying and believing for your family to be saved, I'm trying to tell you something. That's a good thing. I agree with that. I do the same thing, but that's not the bottom of it. That's not the end of the story. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we apply that always just to giving, but the reality of it is it's always a blessing to win somebody else why because while I'm winning them God is already doing something in my family I have to stand on the promise he already promised me then yes I'm going to pray for them yes I'm going to witness to them but I'm not going to stop there I'm not going to quit there I'm going to reach for everybody I can find why because I'm believing and trusting God that he's going to do exactly what he said sister Ruth why you're running around trying to talk to the people on the bus ministry and why you're trying to do that sometimes it can get overwhelming sometimes it feels like nothing's happening but every now and then one little baby walks in the church hands go up and then all of a sudden you find out that that one soul was worth the trip that one soul amen because you don't know what that one soul will be whether it'll be the next bishop the next evangelist hallelujah the next missionary you don't know what you've done you don't know what life you saved We can't wait to get fired up. We can't expect to get preached happy every service. It's so much better to come in here as a preacher and y'all shout the preacher happy. You pray the preacher happy. You change the environment. You change the atmosphere. Because you're coming in with a spirit of expectation. That's when God begins to say, watch what I'm about to do. 
It doesn't matter what section you sit in. It doesn't matter what your zip code is. It doesn't matter what your DNA record is. Matter of fact, God don't care nothing about that. He's looking for the one that will stand out in the crowd. The one that will not bow to Baal. The one that will not get tired in their worship. The one that will not back out. The one that is not too busy, too tired. The one that is not too overwhelmed and overcome to worship him anyhow. It is about when you came to it. When your body is shutting down and saying, no, that's when you run. When your body is trying to tell you stop, that's when you say, I can't stop. If I wanted to, I can't. Jeremiah said it was like fire shut up in his bones. He was trying to let us know, amen, he didn't want to move, but he couldn't help himself. Somebody ought to have that type of moment in your life. I got a praise down on the inside that's looking for a way out. I'm looking for, I'm expecting an explosion. I can't sit any longer because if I sit here any longer something's about to happen and I don't want to hurt nobody when it happens so I got to let some of this out I can't remain silent forever I've got to glorify God because I'm having an if then if I do this then God you promised that if I come to church yes that's a good thing but coming amen does not get you there but if I come amen with this being the sanctuary of God a place of holiness a place to come in and know that I'm going to meet the almighty God with my brother and my sister I'm coming in strong and not weak I'm coming in realizing God that what I can't do you're about to do I've had an impossible week, but I serve a God that supersedes impossibilities. I might have been through a struggle, but I'm coming into a place where I can revive myself so that I can revive everyone. I'm trying to make my mind up. I cannot sit still any longer. I can't wait on anybody any longer. Well, that's just wrong. You just supposed to. No. No, don't you wait. Don't you wait on nobody else. Don't you wait on the key to hit the note that you need. Don't you wait on the preacher to say your favorite verse. Don't you, don't you wait on it. Matter of fact, don't wait on your favorite preacher. This ain't about who has the microphone. It's about who's sitting on the throne. It's not about, come on. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves, God, I've been a little slack. I've been a little tired. I've been a little lazy. I've taken on too much work. I can't worship you like I want to anymore. There's a price for our promise. There's a price for our promise. All the times you're shouting revival in your family, God wants that. All the time we shout revival for our city, God wants that. All the time we're praying for deliverance from people, God wants that. God wants those things for us. When we're praying for that breakout and that breakthrough, God wants that. When we're calling on him and saying, God, I need a healing, I need a touch, God wants that too. God wants you to have it all. He wants us to experience everything, amen, that he has for us. Not some things, he, everything, but he also wants us to understand that he is not going to cast his pearls among the swine. And so if we are not willing to meet him, 
Amen. He has to hold back. Amen. Sometimes we're wondering why is it taking so long? Have you checked yourself? Have you checked to see whether or not you praised him or you came in tired? I'm here to tell you right now, I understand tired. I also understand that there's no reason to be tired. There is something that the enemy, we used to say this years ago, you can come and sit on a church pew, be in church, and all of a sudden get sleepy. See, who told you? And the old bishops would say, that's because the devil's sitting right there fanning you to sleep. Don't move. Don't move. Shh. Don't move. That's what he said. Don't listen. Don't listen. Don't. You got, you got that problem going on. Don't listen. Don't listen to what he's Listen. That's what the devil's telling you. Listen to everything else. Fanning you to sleep. And the next thing you know, your eyes are wide open, but you're in another land. You're not hearing the voice of God. You're not hearing anything other than the voice of the world, the distractions. And God is trying to tell you, no, I'm trying to tell you right now, this is the moment that I need you to break out of that thing. This is the moment that I need you to push. Why? Because the promise that I gave you is waiting on you. It's wait. How many have we missed? How many promises have we missed? I'm watching the time for your sake. Deuteronomy 7 and 12. Wherefore, it shall come to pass if, say if. Very good. Y'all got that one down. Ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto thy fathers. So we're saying if you continue to do what I said do. Everything that I promise is not only going to come to you, but the promises that I gave to your fathers. And he, now the good news about that is, is that this applies to your children. So even the promises he's made to you, they're not just for you. They don't have a generational run out. They don't have an expiration date. Pay attention. And 13 says, and he will love thee. Come on, I'd love it, Jesus. He will love thee, and then guess what? He will bless thee, and then he will multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb. Come on. And the fruit of thy land, the corn, thy, thy wine, and thy oil, and increase of kind, and the flock of thy sheep in the land, which he swear unto your fathers to give thee. In other words, he says, it ain't ran out. I'm not bankrupt. I'm not out of blessings. I still have all the blessings and all the promises that I promised. Some of them have stored up for years, gaining interest, waiting on your generation to take over. I wish a millennial in the house would shout right now and say, it's my season. That was good. I wish a youth would shout right now and say, it's my season. That was better. I wish an adult, a senior would shout right now and say, it's my season. Come on, it's my season. And so God is saying, I'm willing to pour it out on the old and on the young and on the babies that are here and the babies to come. I'm wanting to bless. 
See how good that felt. You began to declare what uh, the promises, amen, uh, that were already given to you. You began to declare it. Uh, you began to shout about it. And all of a sudden, you begin to feel better. I can shout now because I said something. When you get that blood to flowing, something begins to happen. I'm going to give you another chance at that. Amen. Somebody ought to outshout somebody right now that this is my season. Come on, God is looking for that one that's standing out above everybody else. Not trying to be like everybody else. Come on, somebody ought to just, come, why don't you just act up a little bit and let the Lord know, no, no, I, no, 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 no. It's not, it's mine. It's my season. Every promise is my season. Uh, come on, God, you already sacrificed, but I'm about to pay the price of praise. I'm about to glorify you right now. Come on, everybody else thinks it's impossible. They're looking at the holes in your shoes. They're looking at the flat tire on your car. They're looking at the trouble in your family. They're looking at your broken, busted up marriage. But God is trying to tell you, don't you look at those things. You begin to shout in advance. This is my season. I'm taking it. Everything that God promised me, I'm taking it right now. I'm not going to lay down. I'm not going to fall down. I'm going to take it. Yeah, my babies are coming in. I don't know when, but I know they're coming in sooner than later. Somebody shout one more time. My season. There you go. Come on. Won't you look at your neighbor and high five him and say, you thought it was yours. But I'm letting you know it's mine. Find you somebody else and look at him and say, you thought it was yours. But I'm letting you know it's mine. Now the good news is every promise that God gave, don't matter whoever else is shouting, yours is still on reserve. God is still on your side. His favor is still for you. You are still the apple of his eye. But you gotta learn to act like it. There's a price for your promise. I'm willing to do whatever it takes, God. However, I have to do it, God. No matter what nobody else says, God. It's mine. I'm trying to get y'all out of here. I'm trying to get y'all out of here. Isaiah 9 and 6 says this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Ah, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Not worried about what the government's doing. I'm not concerned with our government. I'm concerned with his. Hallelujah. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Say Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. Guess what? He's the Prince of Peace. I know you know these scriptures, but that ought to make you happy right there. Because no matter what you're going through, he's already fixed it for you. Come on. Come on. Now, here it gets. Here it comes. Ha! Of the increase of the government and peace, the things that you thought you couldn't have, he's about to increase it. There shall be no end. There is no end. No expiration date. The, come on. The blessings of God don't wear out or they don't play out. <laughs> upon the throne of David and upon this kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice, from henceforth even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord's host will perform this. Isaiah 40 and 29. I'm rushing for your sake. He giveth power to the faint. Come on. Struggling. I can barely make it. 
if you only knew what I was going through. God said, "Mm mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're going through. Here's a little power. Somebody missed that opportunity. Oh, life is getting rough. Here's a little power. Things haven't been going my way. Here's a little power. Economy's going crazy. Here's a little power. It's something about the closer you get to God. The closer you get to the house of God. Oh, come on now. And to them that have no might, he's going to give you the increase of strength. Why? Because he said, I know right where you are. And there's even times that you can't pay the price of the promise. I realize that. God understands that. So he says, I'm not going to leave you faint, and I'm not going to leave you worn out. I'm going to give you power, and then I'm going to give you strength. Because power is going to take you a little while. But strength is going to help you to endure to the end. Come on, even the youths and the young men shall utterly fail. But they, come on, but they, is 31 up? No, they don't have it. 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. Revive me, God. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, somebody ought to catch on to that right there. Ah, come on. I haven't been feeling it for a long while. But somebody said right now, I feel a shout coming on. I haven't been, hallelujah, strong enough to do it. But for some reason, I can't help myself right now. I'm talking to somebody, an elder in the house right now. This says, the doctor says I shouldn't be doing it. The doctor says I shouldn't be going to church. The doctor says I shouldn't overextend myself. Your body's been telling you the same thing. But there's a truth about to happen in the house right now. Somebody's about to get their shout back right now. Somebody's about to come on. There's a promise happening in this house. There's an elder in the house right now. This says, "You people, hallelujah! I might not do it as fast as you do it. I might not jump as high as you jump. Ah, come on! I might not seem as strong as you, but let me tell you something. There's a fire still killing and down on the inside, and I understand that the joy, Amen, of the Lord is beginning to bubble up. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I'm stirring up something down on the inside." It's going to cause you to begin, hallelujah, to move out of what the world says you can do. To move out of your seat when you said, I'm too cool for it. You can't stand still no longer. I'm talking to a juvenile, a youth, hallelujah, or a child. Telling you right now, the Bible said, amen, a child shall lead them. There's some child, some youth in the house that says, I'm not going to wait for grandma and grandpa to catch on. 
I'm gonna run myself. I'm gonna shout myself. I'm not waiting for my peers to catch up with me. I'm gonna glorify God like a crazy man or a woman. I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Why? Because I'm shouting for the generations, amen, that are alive before me. And I'm shouting for the generations that are coming after me. I made my stand up. I'm gonna pay the price right here, right now. Amen. That they will receive the promises of their fathers and their fathers' fathers. Would you praise him? Come on. Waiting can be tedious, but I'm here to tell you it's worth the wait. I don't need, hallelujah, some slick-talking boy or some little uh, long-haired girl to try to get me to talk me out of church. I need God on my side. I'll wait on the Lord. I don't need a job, amen, or a raise to worship him. Oh, I'm losing y'all now. I'm all in it now. You need all those things to satisfy your flesh but God is saying I can provide for you amen things that nothing else can ever provide for you I can give you peace in the midst of a storm I don't have to wait for the storm to stop as a matter of fact I named one peace I don't have to wait for the winds to cease amen to protect or cover you I don't have to wait for your family to agree amen to bless you I don't have to wait for your pew party to shout, amen, to move on your behalf. Some of you believing that the world has a right to tell you you don't deserve it. When God says you do, you do. And so I can't stop praising him. I can't stop glorifying him. I can't stop lifting him up. Why? Because he is my only hope. He is my only joy. He is my only peace. He is my only salvation. I can't wait on nobody else. I got to pay the price of my promise right here. I don't have another day. I don't have another moment. I might not have another, hallelujah, second on this earth. So right here, right now, I got to pay, hallelujah, the price of my promise. Old song said, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of the weakness, watch and pray. Find me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. But he washed it white as snow. If I understand that, then I realize that everything that used to hold me down no longer has authority to hold me down. My past is just that passed away. And all, everything has become new. I don't need a man to allow the weights of my yesterdays and my used to do's. I'm talking about 10, 15 minute ago stuff. I can't allow that to inhibit my praise or my worship. Why? Because right here, right now, amen, I'm about 
about to serve the devil a notice. You thought you had me, baby, but I got away. Does anybody have that testimony? You thought you broke me, but God had me in his hand. You thought you destroyed my reputation, but God is blessing me. You thought you had me confined to addiction, but God has delivered me. Does anybody have that kind of praise? God, while I'm thinking about what you've done, I thank you for that. But God, there's some promises, your Lord, that I'm still rating on. There's some things I'm still going to praise about. There's some things I'm still trusting in. I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on to it with everything I can. I'm hurrying. And the Bible says, Acts 6 and 7, and the word of God increase. When the word of God increases, what happens is, amen, souls increase. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, when the word of God gets spread all through this city, you'll be surprised at how much of a revival we're in. But we got to preach it everywhere we go. What do you mean, preacher? I'm not a preacher. Oh, yes, you are. You preach every day. Whether you have a smile on your face or a frown on your face, it's preaching to somebody. You got to make your mind up. Hallelujah. That I've got to let this world know that time is running out. Old hymn says this, and I know I'm in the old hymns today. There is a love constraining me to go and seek the lost. I yield, O oh Lord, my all to thee to save at any cost. Somebody in here right now, amen. Matter of fact, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes in the house. While they're close, I want you just to vision how many people you passed today that were lost. That God promised you revival. Matter of fact, one writer says, don't pray for the harvest. The harvest is already ready. The harvest is plenty, but the labor is a few. Now, right where you are with your eyes closed, with your eyes closed, you're seeing those faces. You're seeing those co-workers, you're seeing those guys you play ball with, you're seeing, you're seeing the clerk at the store, you're seeing. I'm done. But every face you saw is a promise. Your backslidden children, you might have saw them. Your backslidden spouse, you might have saw them. Come on. Come on, that's a promise. Now we can choose one or two things right now. 
could choose to let it lay and wait for another generation. Or we can be the generation. So right now, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to pray for the house that you've seen. When we get done praying, we're going to praise him and then I'm done. I don't know their names, so I can't pray for them. I can only pray for the ones I see right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus, all over this place, everybody should be praying. children are a promise as many as are far off are a promise they're a promise God they're a promise God God we pray for him right now Jesus you do the drawing God you do the drawing Lord in the name of Jesus right now now if you prayed for him would you go ahead and begin to shout that God is already doing it? Would you shout that he's already doing it? Come on, in the name of Jesus, come on. Come on, in the name of Jesus, he's doing it. He's doing it, come on, he's doing it. Come on, he's not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. He's doing it, come on, shout, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Oh yeah, come on. Go, satanabaha. Come on, pay the price, pay the price. Come on, in the name of Jesus, God. I glorify you right now, God. They're coming in. They're coming in, God. They're coming in. They're coming in. We believe it, Lord. This building's too small. We believe it, Lord. The parking lot's too small. We believe it, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Please don't forget outreach this Saturday. Amen. Be there. Make it count. Now listen. Don't wait two Saturdays. Let's do it all the time, all the time. Get some seat cards in your pocket and talk to somebody. They need to know. And even when they say no, when they walk away, shout.